Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I think the best thing we can do is to be a testimony, to be a witness, to spread the word that hope and healing is possible. It really gives hope to people um, when they see someone who is kind of on the other side of the struggle. It gives them some hope that healing is possible. And more than anything, we just, we all need so much hope. Anxiety is the most common mental illness diagnosis, according to today's guest. And she says those who suffer from it often feel overwhelmed, out of control, ashamed, lonely, and spiritually defeated. But she says the truth is anxiety is an emotion that can serve as a life-saving tool. We're joined today by Dr. Amanda Porter. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. She's also one of the millions who struggles with anxiety. Today on Connections, she's going to share with us some coping strategies, some spiritual guidance, and refreshing encouragement to help us find freedom from anxiety. We're joined today by Dr. Amanda Porter. She is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. She is also the author of a new book titled Dear Anxiety, Let's Break Up, 40 Devotionals to Conquer Worry and Fear. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Yes. You have a long list of titles here. Tell us about yourself. I do. I do. I have spent so much of my life in school. I have a lot of letters after my name. Um, And we can definitely talk about how I still struggle with imposter syndrome, despite all of that. But um, yes, I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner working out here in Mason, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio, at a place called the Lindner Center of Hope. Um, We are a freestanding mental health facility. We treat people, all ages, all walks of life, every diagnosis in the book, every level of care. Um, And I'm just thrilled to be, you know, involved in all of it. I I think it's um, really meaningful and powerful, the work that we're doing here. But as a nurse practitioner, I essentially function as a psychiatrist. Um, I carry a caseload of patients. I meet with them, assess, diagnose, treat, prescribe, um, put together a treatment plan, the whole gamut. What drew you into the world of mental health? Oh, good question. Um, I actually started out, um, my first graduate degree was in internal medicine. And then um, when I was doing my clinical rotations, I was given the opportunity to do a certain number of hours in psych. And I thought, well, I'll do that. You know, I don't, I don't know that much about mental health. It's probably going to be good for me to get some exposure. So I did a a small clinical rotation in psych and ended up just really loving it. I feel like, um, you know, people are broken. Um, people will always be broken. That's always going to be a population that I can serve. And, um, it feels, it feels really good. The work that I do, it's very fulfilling for me. What I like about uh, your not well your book as well is that like you're very open and honest. This isn't like a self help book for people who are suffering. You yeah. share very openly and honestly that this is something that affects yourself as well. For sure, and I I hope that people understand that I I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to be talking down to anybody whatsoever, even though I am a clinician and I have a lot of scientific knowledge. I also have a lot of firsthand personal experience about what it's like to live with an anxiety disorder. And I think that that actually, um, you know, helps me to be a better clinician because I understand firsthand what people are struggling with. And um, I think anxiety is just far more common than we want to give it credit for. 
um, the numbers right now, you know, in the United States alone, about 40 million people are struggling with anxiety. And I am one of those people. I think the numbers are probably greater, to be honest with you, because a lot of people don't feel comfortable um, speaking up and getting help and getting treatment. And so those people kind of go untracked. Um, but yeah, it, it's far more prevalent, especially in this age of COVID. Oh my gosh, you know, our our outpatient practice is booming. Unfortunately, business is booming um, because these past 18 to 24 months in particular have just been so challenging for people. And that's one thing I was going to say, anxiety is, is through yeah. the roof right now. Uh, what do you say it's to really... people of faith who believe that anxiety is, is a sin and are struggling with Ooh. that and are feeling all the shame towards, how, towards this emotion that they're feeling? Right. Right. That's, that's an excellent question. It's actually something I can get kind of worked up about because that whole um, notion that anxiety is a sin, I think that's pretty toxic theology. That's not how I interpret scripture. I think um, mental health in general is just very over-spiritualized. Um, a lot of Christians refrain from seeking professional help because they were told by um, you know, their pastor or their elders or somebody in their church family that oh, you just need to pray more. You just need to have more faith. There's, um, there's a lot of guilt and shame and blame wrapped up in um, a Christian who's trying to be vulnerable and honest and get help for their anxiety. Um, but I, I'm coming from a position that I do not believe anxiety is a sin. I believe anxiety is an emotion. Um, emotions are just a universal human experience. It's how we were wired. It's how we were created. Um, I think emotions drive behavior and now that behavior could lead to sin, right? Um, emotion driven behavior can lead to some poor choices, um, choices that we may or may not regret later on. But I think just above all else, emotions are communicators. Emotions are not sinful. I don't know if I've ever thought of anxiety as an emotion before, and I don't know why not <laughs> like think sure. of sadness or anger. Right. But I don't know if I've right. ever had anxiety on that list. That's sure. Weird. Yeah. I think there are um, a lot of common universal human emotions and anxiety is definitely one of them. I think anxiety is kind of a subset of fear. So maybe you've thought is uh, yeah. fear of being an emotion. And I, I see anxiety as kind of being wrapped up in that. Yeah, that kind of helps understand. I mean, I struggle with anxiety a lot, which is uh, horrible in ways because I have jobs that force me to be in front of people all right. the time. Right? Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. I mean, just sitting here talking to you guys, um, this can be an anxiety provoking event. And um, so I, in particular, struggle with generalized anxiety, but also social anxiety. And so um, kind of speaking, um, extemporaneously can be very anxiety provoking. Um, but I think the best thing for me personally is to just power through and do it anyway. I think, you know, ultimately action is the antidote to my fear and to my anxiety. And rather than waiting to feel less anxious before doing things that scare me, you know, before living my life, um, I just, I'm going to feel less anxious by living my life, by going through those, uh, those steps, those actions, kind of proving to myself that I, I am capable of doing things that um, are anxiety producing. And you kind of get a rush out of it too, when you face those anxieties sure. and power through it. Uh, what are some other things that we can do uh, to maybe minimize our anxiety? Yeah. And that's, um, <laughs> that's always the big question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what can I do to, to get my anxiety under control? I think, 
um, this new year in particular, a lot of people are thinking, okay, this is the year that I'm really going to act on um, tackling my mental wellness and putting together a recovery plan. And I think the number one thing that people need to do is, is hire a really good therapist. Um, it's really hard to move along this path of wellness and recovery when you're doing it by yourself. You really need somebody to come alongside you and, and coach you and help you and mentor you to some extent. Um, so number one, hiring a therapist is my top recommendation. And then I think also self-care is huge. Um, and when I, when I say self-care, I mean getting back to the basics, you know, feeding yourself well, hydrating yourself, getting enough sleep, um, getting in some body work on a daily basis. That's, that's kind of bare bones self-care and then like next level, next tier self-care is stuff like mindfulness and self-compassion and, and doing some soul work and, um, having a, a practice of gratitude and setting those boundaries, setting those limits, um, but yeah, I think if, if I could encourage your listeners to just, if they're only capable of taking one small step, that step would be make a phone call, hire a therapist. Many will be afraid to say that um, medication is the key, but in a lot of cases that can be the key. What would you say to those um, who oh, are sure. taking medication for anxiety? Yeah. Um, you know, medication is, gosh, it's just all part of that stigma of mental health treatment. And I personally, I take medication every day. Um, I find it incredibly valuable. Some people don't find medication as helpful or valuable. They've learned to incorporate other tools in their toolbox. Um, I think that uh, it kind of goes back to that notion of toxic theology and um, Christians for some reason feel like, or they're told that um, if you are taking a medication, that means that you're not fully relying on God for your healing. And I just could not disagree with that more. Um, God has created such a rich body of knowledge um, in the clinicians that I work with here and beyond. We have the technology, we have the tools now to where a teeny tiny pill can bring someone an immense amount of relief. And it makes me really sad that there are a lot of people out there who stand to benefit from medication, but they don't pursue that option because they're shamed into believing that if they take medication, that means that they're failing in some way. Um, I, I kind of go back to the story um, in the book of John, when Jesus is healing the blind man and he, um, you know, he very well could have spoken this man's healing. He could have said, go, you, your eyesight is restored and you are healed, but he chose instead to bend down and gather up some dirt, mix it with a little bit of spit. He, he formed a muddy paste and he placed that over this man's eyes. And that's what brought his healing. And I, I keep going back to that story. When I think about Christians using medications for their healing, you know, Jesus used a tool in that moment to heal that man. And Jesus is using the tool of medication in my life to heal me from my anxiety. What would you say to those who are sitting there going, Oh, I'm afraid medication. I'm, a, I'm afraid of therapy. I, you know what? I can just control this on my own, you know, in my own, in my own personal journey with anxiety, that's me. I'm like, no, no, no. I can't do this by myself, but really you can't. Yeah. No, no really. You <laughs> cannot. Really. You can't. Um, it, it takes a team, you know, it takes a lot of people in your corner cheering you on and helping sustain you when you feel like you can't sustain yourself. Um, I think, you know, relying on our own 
our own self-discipline can, um, <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> it's, it's not going to, it's not going to end well. Um, we have to incorporate the power of other people, um, and the power of our savior in, in our healing and our wellness. You yeah, mentioned, we need uh, each other. The- <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned the healing of the blind man a little earlier, and um, what I love in that story too is at the start of the story, everybody's asking who caused the man's blindness. Like, was it his parents' sure. sin? Was it his own sin? And Jesus, is like, it's nobody's sin that caused this. Right. I think that's an important reminder for dealing with mental health problems too, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not our own doing most of the time, at least, but but there are choices we can make to correct it as well, like taking medication. Exactly, exactly. And that's probably one of the top questions I get when, when someone's seeking treatment with me, um, they want to know ultimately why, you know, why am I struggling? Where does anxiety come from? Why am I being afflicted with this? And I know why they're asking that question. They, they assume that if they know the why that they'll be able to fix it. Um, Sometimes there is a very clear reason as to why somebody is struggling. Maybe there's um, a metabolic issue going on. Maybe there's a very um, recent trauma, um, but there's not always a clear etiology for uh, for anxiety or some of these mental health symptoms or illnesses. Um, and it can be really hard to sit with that unknown. Um, yeah, it actually makes me quite sad that uh, this this field of medicine, psychiatry, we don't have a lot of the answers that other fields of medicine have. Um, we don't have these nice, tidy algorithms that we use to treat people with it. It can be very nuanced. It's not so black and white. When I think that that is, um, that's difficult for people to wrap their head around, especially as Christians, we, we like things to be black and white. <laughs> nuance, nuance can be hard for us to accept. Very much. <laughs> Instead of a cure, it's more healing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Those two words mean very different things to me. Um, and I think it's important that I help people understand that when they're coming to me for treatment, um, we're not going for a cure. There is no cure for an anxiety disorder or for depression or for bipolar. There's certainly management. Um, but the goal, is, the goal is not eradication of symptoms, but rather manageability. I mean, all of these things are chronic lifelong struggles, anxiety, depression, whatever you're going through, that is something that you're going to be dealing with on some level to some degree for the rest of your life. So the goal is not curing because that's not realistic, but rather the goal is healing, which is, you know, more of peace um, and and acceptance of an outcome. A person can say, you know, like it is well with my soul when it's not well in their body. I think of that. It is well with my soul, very different than saying it is, it is not well with my body. Yeah. Ah, that's what, yeah. What I was wondering about like that lifelong struggle, right. And sometimes it feels like God has abandoned you then, but if you can move to that Mm. position where you're able to give praise and thanksgiving still, or say it is well, then that can really help your struggles. I imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of going back to that practice of gratitude. and, And I talk a lot about that in the book, um, having a very consistent, gratitude practice literally will rewire the circuitry of your brain and help you to have a more positive outlook. Sometimes as Christians too, uh, one thing that we can get wrong is when we're trying to help others, right? And well, have you tried praying more? (laughs) (laughs) Tried going to church or a small group? 
How can we support people struggling with issues like anxiety as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent question. Excellent question. Because chances are, if you are not someone who personally struggles with a mental health issue, you have someone in your life who does. And um, there are definitely right things and wrong things (laughs) to say to a person who's struggling. Um, I, I think one of the worst things that you can say to someone who's struggling is, um, but you don't look depressed or anxious. You know, um, I try to remind everyone that I work with, you know, mental health issues are often invisible. Um, and as Christians, especially, we have to be very careful that we're not judging someone based on their outward presentation. You can never know what's going on inside of someone else's head or heart by just looking at the outside of them. And so saying to someone, oh, but, but you don't look depressed or anxious, you know, that's ultimately not helpful at all. Um, I would never want to hear a Christian say to someone who's struggling with anxiety, oh, all you need to do is just dot, 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 right? Believe more, pray more, have more faith. Um, that's pretty demeaning. I feel like it's, it's kind of offering this quick fix as if this person hasn't already tried everything that's within their means. Um, I think that also some phrases that I hear Christians throw around, like God doesn't give us more than we can handle or um, all things work together for good. Um, those phrases are, are incredibly unhelpful um, to say to someone who's coming to you in a moment of vulnerability. Um, th- those things are just ultimately so unhelpful. I think what you could say to someone who's struggling instead, keep it very simple. Say, you know, I'm here for you. Um, you're strong. I believe in you. You're loved. Please don't give up. Um, say to this person, you know, if you weren't alive anymore, if you weren't around anymore, I would really miss you. That, that phrase in particular is really vital to say to someone who's struggling with, um, suicidal thinking, suicidal thoughts. I think the lie of anxiety, the lie of anxious depression is that if I wasn't here anymore, it would be easier for the people in my life, because I'm such a burden. And that's just such an outright light really needs to be corrected out loud um, face-to-face in front of the people that we love. If you don't know the right thing to say, ultimately don't say anything, you know, it's okay to be silent. Just yeah. show up, just have, <laughs> just be present. Don't feel like you have to fill the the silence. Yeah. Yeah. But the silence can be awkward, right? But it, yes. it only feels awkward to you. Your presence there is probably mm-hmm. the best thing. And way better than saying the wrong thing. You mentioned uh, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And and Paul wrote something like that in first Corinthians, but the whole point of that passage was that God is there through uh, temptations for us so that we're not overwhelmed by temptations. Right. Exactly. Gosh, that really, (laughs) it gets me going when I hear people throw that phrase around because they're certainly taking it out of context um, yeah, gosh, yeah, I, I don't like that one at all. <laughs> that one and get over it. Just yeah. get over snap it. Out, snap out of it. Yeah. Snap out of it. Yeah. Right. As if it was that easy. It's like, oh, wow. I didn't think of that. Okay. I'll snap out of it now. You know, it's just such unhelpful advice. What about for us that are struggling with anxiety and for us that are struggling with depression? How can God use us, um, to help others maybe, and to, to help others see? what's going on. Sure. Yeah. I think ultimately um, the best thing that we can do as Christians who struggle is to talk about it, um, speak up, be vulnerable um, in a smart way, you know, um, be vulnerable to the people who um, are going to be 
responsible with your feelings. Um, but I think the best thing we can do is to be a testimony, to be a witness, to spread the word that hope and healing is possible. It really gives hope to people um, when they see someone who is kind of on the other side of the struggle. It gives them some hope that healing is possible. And more than anything, we just, we all need so much hope. Dear Anxiety, let's break up. What I really like about the book is it's not just a a book, it's devotionals. Why did you decide to do it this way? Good question. Yeah, I think it can be very daunting when a person's um, finally able to acknowledge, yes, I'm struggling to the extent that I really need some professional help. It can be really daunting to to take those steps towards healing, towards getting help. But I think um, in this particular book, having the devotional format gives people just something a little more manageable to work with. These little kind of bite-sized pieces of education and encouragement. Um, and to just kind of push them along in their journey towards recovery. For people who want to learn more about you, want to learn about the book, or um, just learn about um, how they can deal with their anxiety or depression, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. Um, Well, I hang out on Instagram a lot. Um, So you can find me on Instagram, Amanda Porter NP. Um, That's also my website, amandaporternp.com. And I just love to hear from people who... Um, are struggling and seeking help and reaching out. I just, I am such a fan of people who are bold enough and strong enough and willing enough to take that first step and, and reach out for help. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you want to listen to this conversation or to any of the other conversations that we've had on Connections, you could do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Caldine Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.